With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is The Crossover, an NBA show hosted by Sports Illustrated's Chris Mannix and Howard Back. It's a whole new level for you and me, Chris, this relationship. Like and subscribe for the best weekly NBA content these two are capable of. What does that mean? Could be the best duo ever. I don't see how you can beat that. Here they are, Chris Mannix and Howard Back. Crossover NBA podcast, Chris Mannix and Howard Beck, and this is a bonus edition of the podcast, and we are opening it for the second time in as many podcasts, talking about the ongoing drama between the Nets, the NBA, and Kyrie Irving. Um, Howard, this is, you know, you wish you didn't have to talk about this subject as much as we are, but it's the biggest story in the NBA right now. And just to recap kind of where we are with this story, which by the way, by the time people listen to this podcast, we're recording it on Friday afternoon, East Coast time, something new could have happened. It just seems to evolve every 12 hours at this point. But the latest information that we have is, you know, in the aftermath of Kyrie Irving tweeting out a link to a film that had some deep anti-Semitic tropes in it, um, a lot of really despicable inaccuracies in that film. Uh, Kyrie Irving, who also later doubled down on a lot of this, did not apologize for any of it, and then to conclude the week, had a bizarre press conference on Thursday where he was given multiple opportunities to say he was not anti-Semitic and to denounce the film further and to apologize for, uh, you know, basically blasting this film out there to his millions of social media followers. He did not. 
He was subsequently suspended for at least five games by the Brooklyn Nets. And uh, later on Thursday evening, Kyrie Irving on his Instagram page issued a more substantial apology. He said he was deeply sorry for uh, posting the the film and offending the Jewish community. Uh, he used the words, I'm sorry, multiple times in that apology. Uh, Howard, uh, I'm not giving the Nets any credit for suspending Kyrie Irving. It, it just felt like they were doing everything in their power to not suspend him, to keep him out there on the floor. I'm not giving Kyrie Irving much credit for the apology because I, I don't. he's had multiple times to do it and it feels like the only reason he's doing it right now is because he was suspended and you know, money was at stake. His future with the team might be at stake. Hell, his future in the NBA might be at stake at this point. Um, how did you interpret the last 24 hours with Kyrie Irving, Brooklyn, and the NBA? Yeah, listen, um, let's state the obvious. Um, one, Kyrie shouldn't have posted this thing to begin with, but once he did do it and it set off the firestorm that it did a week ago, he should have immediately reckoned with the impacts of it, disavowed it, and apologized. That is obvious. He did not do that Saturday night. He got defensive. He dug in. He lashed out. He made himself out to be the victim instead. Then we get a couple days where he, he's not speaking at all. The Nets decided he shouldn't be speaking. I know that actually rubbed a lot of people wrong, including a lot of, of our peers in the media. I actually thought it was the wise decision, to be honest. As, as testy as, I, I did too. Not, not, to, not to interrupt, yeah. but I, yeah. I did too. You know, I got a lot of text messages from people like outraged that Kyrie wasn't speaking. and Maybe not outraged but for some, but just annoyed by it. I, I, I actually thought it was probably the best temperature-cooling thing you could do in that moment to not send Kyrie out there not knowing exactly what he was going to say. Listen, I was not in the room Saturday night when he had that back and forth with Nick Ferdell of ESPN. I was watching it at home on my couch. But even from there, I just, I, my my blood was boiling and I felt tense on a number of levels, both as a media person uh, and obviously as a Jewish person. Um, just everything, watching that in real time go off the rails and watching Kyrie turn this around, watching Kyrie be that defensive and, and dug in, entrenched, and trying to make himself out to be the victim after what he had posted, people were just asking for an explanation of. It was it was rough. So no, I mean, look, you know me, uh, I'm also a, an officer with the Pro Basketball Writers Association. Uh, I am as fierce an advocate for our access and for players being available and fulfilling their contractual obligations to the media as there can be. But in this case, I did not have a problem with them deciding he should not talk uh, for a few days after a couple of games. I didn't think anything productive would come of it. And lo and behold, when Kyrie Irving finally spoke Thursday morning, nothing productive did come. It was worse. It was doubling and tripling down. It was meandering double talk and word salad and tangents that had nothing to do with the matter at hand. And it was in the wake of that, of course, that Adam Silver finally, finally weighed in, issuing a statement that said, none of this is acceptable and Kyrie and I are going to have a discussion sometime soon. It was in the wake of that that the Nets finally issued a statement. What did you make of statement. that? What did you make yeah. of the? What did you make? Just a pause on that for a second. Yeah. Like, I, the, the silver statement. I, I mean, look, it, it was somewhat strongly worded. Um, I, I'm wondering why a meeting with Kyrie Irving is on this vague timeline. Uh, I, I think there's a train from, you know, where Olympic Tower is that could take Adam down to. 
the Nets practice facility very quickly, got up at a car service, you're there in half an hour. I, I it, the, the statement was just weird. Like, it's good that the NBA finally explicitly named Kyrie Irving and all this because they've been dancing around this a lot. The union's been even worse. But the NBA's been dancing around this Kyrie stuff. But to say, like, we're going to have a meeting at some point, have a meeting. Like, they were practicing it at the Sunset Park uh, facility. Like, why are we out? Why is Adam out there saying we're eventually going to meet? Why, why not just go and do it? Yeah. So Adam's statement, I'll read it real quick. Uh, this came yesterday morning after Kyrie's uh, disastrous uh, press conference. Kyrie Irving, this is Adam Silver. Kyrie Irving made a reckless decision to post a link to a film containing deeply offensive anti-Semitic material. Adam could have said that, by the way, a week ago or last Saturday when the NBA was issuing its bland statement uh, saying, you know, peace, love and understanding and without naming Kyrie Irving at all in it. Um, He could have said that before. Uh, This is Adam continued. While we appreciate the fact that he agreed to work with the Nets and the Anti-Defamation League to combat anti-Semitism and other forms of discrimination, I am disappointed that he has not offered an unqualified apology and more specifically denounced the vile and harmful content contained in the film he chose to publicize. I'll be meeting with Kyrie in person in the next week to discuss this situation. I mean, he could he have intervened sooner? I suppose he could have. Could he have made a stronger statement sooner? Yes, he absolutely should have. We know Adam's kind of general d- demeanor or his approach as the commissioner of the NBA. His leadership style is not as confrontational or immediate or as combative, uh, obviously, as his predecessor and mentor, David Stern. Adam's view is kind of to, you know, everything's going to be a conversation. Everything's going to start from a place of trying to listen and figure out where we are. We'll work through this together. And, you know, I I think he was trying to take his usual non-combative stance where rather than just throw the book at him, which I think David Stern would have done, Adams wanted to sit back, see how 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 the Nets handled it, see whether Kyrie Irving would come to his senses before deciding to involve himself at that level. That's my guess. I have not spoken to anybody with the league about this. I'm simply speculating. But it, the way Adam has handled this particular controversy, I think is consistent with his leadership style for better or worse. Not defending it. Not, I'd agree. Not anything. Um, but I, but it, it was a welcome statement from Adam. It was, it was perhaps overdue, but it was strong and it was on point. It was, this, it was not trying to paint Kyrie Irving in any particular way. It's just giving the facts. He posted this thing. This thing is incredibly offensive. He has not come to terms with it. He has not apologized for it. He has not disavowed it. He needs to do those things. In terms of the timeline for when he could meet with him, Chris, listen, I don't know. I I don't know if Adam was taking into account that at that time, Kyrie had not been suspended and the Nets were about to leave on a road trip. Um, I, I don't know what else could go into that. The urgency of meeting with Kyrie... The urgency of resolving the situation is clear. The urgency of Adam specifically himself meeting with Kyrie, I I, I don't know. Uh, I, I assume that that meeting will happen. By the way, that's the other piece of this. Adam can say that in his statement, but my first thought was, what if Kyrie says, no, nah, I don't want to? As, as, as dug in as Kyrie Irving initially was, I thought it was at least possible that he would, you know, tell the commissioner, sorry, I'm, I'm, I, I got nothing more to say on this. I don't need to meet with you. In which case, he'd be inviting, obviously, a much stiffer punishment. It was after that that the, that the Nets then finally issued their statement, the strongest one they had issued, and issued the five-game suspension pending an apology. One thing I'm curious about is that when Kyrie Irving's apology did come late, late last night, and I thought it was heartfelt. Listen, if people are, are already, you know, picking apart aspects of it, 
whether they thought it was insincere, whether they thought certain things were still too qualified, whether he's still, because he's still saying he doesn't disagree with everything in the movie. Now we're still left to wonder, okay, which parts do you agree with and which parts are you disavowing? All of that is fair, but I did think it was a heartfelt apology. If people want to be cynical and say, well, it's only because now he's losing paychecks because of the suspension and he wants to get that cleared up, fine. I get that too. I do wonder, are the Nets going to say the five-game minimum is still the five-game minimum? Or given that he has to apologize, will they perhaps uh, lessen that um, and and allow him back sooner? Not the most important thing, but a, a detail that I'm curious about. At what point do they decide that he has made amends? Um, but in the meantime, the anti-defamation well, Sean league, Marks, Sean yeah, Marks spoke, just Sean Marks spoke on Friday and it, it sounds like while the apology was a step in the right direction for the Nets, it wasn't enough. So they're going out on this two game road trip. Uh, I, I'd be surprised if we saw Kyrie back before yeah. the end of this five game suspension. The question becomes it, what, can he do enough to satisfy the Nets, satisfy the league, and get back with this team? And and I don't know the answer to that at this point. Look, and if I look at the if past his prologue, Kyrie Irving will be allowed back because the Nets have done nothing but enable him since he's been there. They have done nothing but cater to him since he's been there. They've caved on multiple occasions when it comes to Kyrie Irving. Last year, with the vaccine stuff, they sent him home. When the going got tough, they invited him back into the mix. Here you have it this year where they were just doing everything humanly possible to not issue a suspension. And it took... And I I have to believe that when Kyrie Irving stood up on Thursday to do media... I have to believe the Nets thought an apology was in the offing. They had just, you know, sent out that statement hours before or the night before that was a joint statement between Kyrie, Brooklyn, the Anti-Defamation League. I, I don't I don't believe, Howard, that they thought Kyrie was going to stand up there and speak in the way that he spoke, where he would not categorically declare that he was um, against anti-Semitism. He would not denounce the film or denounce his actions he would not that he would not apologize in any kind of meaningful way I just think that press conference had to have taken the Brooklyn brass by surprise which is why we saw that suspension come down as quickly as it did after the fact so I just wonder if if the Nets have reached kind of their breaking point here have they has this been enough one too many things for the Nets and Kyrie Irving it'd be justified if it, if it were the last straw. Um, he has put them through, you know, all kinds of strife, all kinds of stress over the last few years. I mean, he's only been with this franchise for three full seasons. Um, you know, injuries aside, which have, you know, taken him out of the mix at times, including his first season with them when he only played 20 games. Obviously, there is the missing most of last season because of his refusal to take the COVID vaccine, making him ineligible, uh, completely torpedoed their season, that decision. That alone would be enough to say we've had it with Kyrie Irving. But before that, two seasons ago, he disappeared for two weeks in the middle of the season, um, 
just kind of taking a break unannounced without letting them know what he was doing or where he was. I think it was during that time that he ended up um, showing, you know, showing up at an, I think it was an Instagram video or something where he was at a party, which was violating NBA rules on, on COVID protocols at that time. Like, it's just one thing after another, after another. And you know, this, this is in its, its own territory entirely, Chris, this isn't a player flaking out. This isn't a player saying, Oh, I'm taking a personal stand against vaccine mandates or whatever. This this is unprecedented. Let's be very, very clear about this part of it, because I don't want to conflate, you know, basketball controversies with something of this nature, posting an anti-Semitic film and then doubling and tripling down on your decision to do so and not backing away, not disavowing. This is unprecedented. This is my 26th season covering the NBA. And while there have been controversies involving race and religion and sexuality, things said, things done, punishments issued, everything else, I have never seen anything like this and hope we never do again. So whatever the Nets decide, whatever the, the most extreme thing you could think of, cutting him tomorrow would be probably the most extreme thing. It would be justified and nobody could really argue with it, I don't think. Uh, somebody will, because they always do, but I don't think that's where they'll go, Chris. Um, I think the Nets have made it pretty clear in both action and word that they're still trying to turn this season around. And, you know, whether that's hiring Ime Udoka, which we presume is still coming sometime soon, whether it's holding this group together, despite the fact that it's fraying at the seams, it seems pretty clear that their hope, their intent is to still salvage the season and be a contender. I don't think that's remotely realistic, but that seems to be their course. And as long as they're staying on that course... Now that Kyrie has apologized, I assume they will try to start moving this back in a positive direction, keep him in the fold, and hope, hope, hope that he does not throw out any more hand grenades over the course of the season. You know, one other thing I wanted to bring up is that we're already starting to see this framed as, well, it's overblown by the media. And, you know, when the media gets involved, the story kind of mushrooms. I saw Kevin Durant... Talk, bring the media into this during his media availability on uh, Friday. This is not the media's fault. I know we are the media, and it's a little bit of navel-gazing here, but this is not the media's fault. In fact, I've felt, Howard, that over the last couple of days, like reporters in Brooklyn have tried to give Kyrie opportunities to walk this stuff back like these have not been gotcha questions he's been hit with he has been asked and I think it was to, to bring it to the practice on Thursday I think it was our friend Brian Mahoney who first asked Kyrie or said to Kyrie I think people in that statement were looking for you to apologize say I'm sorry somewhere in there and Kyrie didn't do it then it was Nick Friedle again asking pretty directly to Kyrie about anti-semitism and he wouldn't explicitly say that he was not anti-Semitic. Like, I just have felt that while the, there has been some combativeness between Kyrie and the reporters in New York, I feel like they've been trying to give him a way out. And I'm not saying that in a negative way. I feel like they've been kind of giving him opportunities to do very simple things, to say, look, I am not anti-Semitic. I apologize for offending the Jewish community in the way that I did. All the things that could end this or could have ended this much quicker than it has, I feel like he's been given those opportunities. And for whatever reason, he has punted on him. That's to bring it back full circle. 
That's why that NBA statement didn't sit all that well with me. Adam Silver referred to Kyrie's actions and what he put on social media as reckless. I don't feel they were reckless. He wasn't drunk at three in the morning tweeting like you up at somebody. Like his, he was specifically linking to a film that he says he saw that had disturbing stuff in it. That wasn't reckless. That was intentional. There was nothing reckless about what he did. So that's why I think we have to wrap our heads around here. Kyrie meant to link to that video. He clearly believes a lot of things in that video. It has taken him four or five days and a five-game suspension to issue anything that even remotely resembles an apology. Yeah, so to the question of and to Kevin Durant's um, an unfortunate framing of this as the media making this you know into a big deal or, or whatever, continuing it, the there is no story if Kyrie Irving doesn't post a virulently anti-Semitic film to his Twitter account in the first place. The responsibility for this story, for the firestorm, for the continuing controversy, for the continuing coverage, for the continuing questions is with Kyrie Irving. He bears responsibility for that. He posted it and then he refused to apologize or disavow it. Every time he did that, he extended this. He made this into a bigger story. He put us in the media and the public in general in a position of having to wonder about his intentions, his mindset, his view of, of, of the Jewish community. Like, it, this is all on him. And as you, as you noted, Chris, reporters are just doing their job, but also giving him the opportunity. Like these weren't gotcha questions. These weren't hard questions. It was simply, can you clarify? And he refused to clarify. He didn't want to apologize. He didn't want to clarify. He didn't want to disavow. That's his choice. And he had multiple opportunities to do so. And it was a fairly simple thing. So, you know, Kevin Durant's comments this morning, I mean, I, I get it. It's his friend. And also it's his team. And he's trying to steer this thing back toward something, you know, steady, right? He wants the, He wants this all to go away. I get it, Kevin. But your friend screwed up big time and and then doubled and tripled down on the screw up. This is not on us. This is not on anybody except for Kyrie Irving. Um, and so, you know, the, that that and that's the thing. Look, I have no doubt in my mind that on some level, Kevin Durant, as, as much as he loves Kyrie Irving as a friend and as much as they came to Brooklyn together three years ago, somewhere Kevin Durant has to be. To, you know, not not debating his friendship. Friends are friends. Friendship will, will their, their friendship will last beyond basketball. But Kyrie Irving ruined Kevin Durant's chance at a title last season. He alienated James Harden, the, that's, which then turned into the trade for Ben Simmons, and that's been a disaster. At some level, Kevin Durant must be questioning, if not the friendship, then at least the basketball partnership. Um, I would hope he's also questioning Kyrie Irving's mindset too. In posting something like this, I don't, you know, I, 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 I don't, I don't know how Kevin Durant, as his friend, could see Kyrie Irving post that and defend it and not go, Kyrie, come on, man, what, what are you doing here? Why, you know, like, and I'm not putting this on Kevin Durant. It's not his responsibility. He is not Kyrie's keeper. Nobody is except for Kyrie. But Jesus, <laughs> what, what? How do you not grasp? 
that all of this goes back to one person. This is not about anybody else except for Kyrie Irving. As unbelievably talent, talented as Kyrie is, like whenever his time with Brooklyn ends, and he's not going back to Brooklyn next year, Josiah no. is not authorizing re-signing him for a nickel, much less uh, anything no. close to a max level contract. Uh, I look around the NBA at this point, like, granted, we're prisoners of the moment right now, and who knows? You know, over the next six months, Kyrie might get it together. That's my takeoff. Who knows? I don't know. But like, how does anyone, any executive, any owner, invest in him? Like, how do you invest anything substantial in Kyrie Irving at this point? He has proven to be unreliable when it comes to being on the floor. He, in his last three NBA stops, his only three NBA stops, he has gone out in a fiery blaze. He leaves uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers, you know, basically uh, ending their chances of being a multi-time world champion. He blew up that team's... They still go back to the finals without him, but they were not the same team without him in the mix. Boston played a big role in blowing that up towards the end of his time there. Now here he is in Brooklyn with Kevin Durant with a lot of great pieces around him, and over the last couple of years, he has been part of the reason that franchise has been on fire right now. I, I don't know how... And maybe the Lakers do it because they're desperate. They want to you know, keep LeBron's window open. But other than that, I don't know how I, I don't I don't know what the landscape for Kyrie Irving looks like next year because you can't justify going on any kind of big deal with him. <laughs> Can you? Like is how do you how do you invest in that guy? Kyrie Irving is still 30 years old in his prime, still playing at an elite level, still playing at an all NBA kind of level. And as a purely basketball matter, if you put aside a whole lot of things, <laughs> one big caveat could still help some contending teams. But I'm telling you, even before this controversy, Chris, there are a whole lot of teams that wanted nothing to do with him because yeah. Nobody. Look, and if if he would have he would have signed somewhere like he yeah. if he had a market he would have opted out of his contract and signed somewhere. Kyrie Irving himself said on media day a month ago that when he tried to find because when the Nets wouldn't give him the extension he wanted to the extent that he the max uh, extension that he wanted and he explored what he could do in free agency because he had the ability to to opt out opt in whatever he admitted that there wasn't a whole lot out there and there there will be even less next summer, if anything. He was already considered kind of toxic. He was already considered a massive risk despite his talent because people are not convinced around the league that Kyrie Irving is about winning basketball. They're convinced that Kyrie Irving is about Kyrie Irving and that you can't rely on him. And whether it's the vaccine or whether it was the two-week vacation in the middle of, of the previous season, whatever it may be, it's going to be one thing or another. And every season so far in Brooklyn, it's been one thing or another. And as you as you noted, look, he forced his way out of Cleveland off a team that had gone to three straight finals and, and won a championship, forced his way out to force his way away from the best player in the game to go do his own thing, goes to Boston. That thing turns sour within less than two seasons. And then he ends up in Brooklyn. People around the NBA watch this stuff. And, in, and at some point, your talent is not enough. We have seen other people wear out their welcomes in this league. Stephon Marbury was still a very good NBA player when all of a sudden he found that nobody in the NBA wanted to sign him anymore. I mean, I know it's a happy ending in China where he goes and wins championships and he's got statues and they love him there. 
But that happy ending only happened because nobody in the NBA wanted anything to do with Stephon Marbury anymore. And that it feels like that's where things are heading for Kyrie Irving. Um, it, that's not necessarily the ending here for him, but I just, I just don't see teams wanting to take a chance. Also, there's a simple, simple basketball matter. If you look around the league, you do. We always do this exercise. All right. Who needs a, an all-star caliber point guard, a scoring point guard? And you start looking you're like, oh, no, that team's already set. No, that team's got an all-star. Oh, that team's uh, rebuilding. That team's got a young guy they've invested in at the position. And it's not that he couldn't still help or, or whatever, but it's just, he doesn't make sense anywhere right now. Um, except for probably the Lakers. The Lakers are the one team yeah. that is still desperate enough. And I know Russell Westbrook had a couple nice games off the bench, blah, blah, blah. Um, that's the one team. And they're also the one team that people around the league believe will sign him next summer. But I don't, I don't know that there's anywhere else. No, I, I agree with you. And as far as this season goes, Sean Marks the other day gave one of those kind of it's always dark before the dawn you know, speeches. I, I, you have to be an unbridled optimist to believe this team can get it together. Like the Ime Udoka thing is probably still going to happen at some point. There's a lot of unraveling to do with Ime Udoka in Boston. So we'll see when that happens. And Ime is an excellent coach, but I, I don't see how bringing him into this mix solves anything. They still have a flawed roster. They still don't seem united when it comes to playing with each other, and they still have a guy in Kyrie that can't be counted on at this point. So I know there's talent, but I, I, I'm not buying what Sean Marks is selling, that this team still has a championship window that's open. I think that's closed shut right now. So yeah, we'll I don't, see what I don't, uh, I don't, I don't see it either, but they're going to keep trying, it looks like. I be, This goes back to what we talked about um, in recent shows, like Sean Marks knows that. Look, he can't rebuild there. You can't because his draft picks are going somewhere else. And while it it's optimistic to say you can do what you did eight nine years ago, where you use the back end of the first round and some shrewd trades to make a deal, it, it's not that easy. Like they, they were smart, but. They kind of caught lightning in a bottle there with some, you know, D'Angelo Russell Ward is welcome in L.A. And, you know, you were able to get Jared Allen and Karis LeVert and all these guys kind of, you know, it's just a confluence of events. I don't think that can happen again. And Sean Marks, as we've talked about, he was dealing, he was cleaning up Billy King's mess at that time. This is now his mess. And I think he's going to, until, he's basically going to ride this until the wheels fall off. Like, and, and when the wheels fall off, he'll be gone because he's next on you know, that blame list. Steve Nash already took one bullet. Um, Sean Marks, it feels like, he, you know, if this goes south the rest of the season, he could be next. I got, I got, I got news for everybody. The wheels are already off. They've already fallen off and they're, they're, they're on fire and they're spinning down Flatbush uh, through Brooklyn and the, the nets have already skidded into the ditch. But um, yeah. the, the, they have to decide when to uh, course correct or if they even can or whether there's any non-flaming tires available. All right, check out Howard's conversation with Stan Van Gundy. That will be up later in the day on Friday. Hopefully next week, Howard, we can get deeper into real basketball topics. There's some really interesting things going on out there right now. Milwaukee's great. Portland, we talked about earlier this week. Utah still winning games somehow. Philadelphia, what do they do without James Harden? I Hopefully, hopefully we can have a more uh, substantial basketball discussion next week. 
I look forward to that. Thank you.